Hey all, Izzy here, just giving a quick introduction to the second episode of Machine Learning, starting by saying thanks so much for being patient with us while we take a little extra time to get this one out the door. Uh, we're super excited to be able to record these, and we have been real, real excited about um, the response so far, so we hope to keep this going. Part of that is you all. You guys have been great so far in sending your questions. We love answering those. We love reading those. We love answering and reading those at the same time or separately, depending on what kind of makes the most sense. You can do that in our Discord, but I'm sure you can also tweet us at pod versus machine on Twitter. That is all I have for you today. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and here we go. Hi, this is Izzy. Welcome to episode two of the show that I'm going to try and do from memory and we'll see how it goes. I will know if I'm correct based on the facial reactions of my cast members whom I can see in front of me on Skype. Machine learning, a pod about the machine from pod against the machine the only podcast with a supplementary podcast with a 25 word title nailed it nailed it Woo! i would swear here if i was allowed to but i'm not <laughs> an excited swear you're the host you can do anything you want See, That's I'm the awesome. host. I'm editing the episode okay thanks jeff <laughs> this is us say hello everybody hello everybody I'm Kenny. No. <laughs> no. I can't see. I should have introed everyone. Just <laughs> no, just in. mute my track. No. in. It's late. I, want more I got of a that. COVID shot today. <laughs> His name's Kenny Moderna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's kick off with our recap per the outline and jump in with episode six, The Naughty Zone. I think this is the one we had just come out of the cave. This is, things were bad that first day. This is the one, right, Kieran Asher almost got murdered by not even a robot, it was a giant rock monster. We ran away from that slash dragged Asher away because they were still dying. Uh, And then we worked it out. We like traded for some healing potions. We shot a rock to dev. I don't even know what else needs to be said. That feels like a solid recap to me, team input what were your thoughts when we shot a rock to death jeff a rock monster (laughs) (laughs) those are my thoughts too i'm going to assume that's the entirety of jeff's input (laughs) and (laughs) i will then say uh i'm glad that i had a really crappy level zero spell to uh shoot at it through a doorway (laughs) I'm glad no one died. I'm glad I started the podcast with a neutral-based alignment, so I didn't have to consider the ethical implications of murdering a Galarn in its natural habitat. Was it its natural habitat? Am I just talking out of my... I mean, everything's natural about the desert that is under the mountain, the desert with the metal sky and stuff. It seems natural to me. It's a classic subterranean desert. Classic subterranean sky ceiling desert. Sky, metal, sky. Metal, sky ceiling. Desert. It's a sky metal, metal sky. Nice, that was good. Sky metal. 
if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, that was a fun episode insofar as that one gave me feelings of concern. I was generally, I was as we were sitting there doing that battle, I was like, okay, I'm just going to create a, like a second character because there's no way. There's no way I come out of this okay. It was that thing of, you know, every time you stand up, you provoke, which is new for me. And so I was like, I could lay here and keep getting beat, or I could crawl away and keep getting beat. Uh, and listening back to that episode, I was real frustrated because I feel like it made a lot of poor strategic decisions, but also I don't know what else could have been done. I'm sure someone in the Discord will let me know. Kudos to, to Jeff, as per usual, for saving everyone. Classic Jeff. I mean... I also distinctly remember Brixby having to pull being out of the near-death experience. So <laughs> uh, I will say not to self-five myself, but the quick inspiration to pretend to be Sandville is one of my favorite things that Asher's done. Whole <laughs> uh, oh, greasy. I do also enjoy the the part of of this where you went into the fight with the giant rock monster, um, with two characters with three and two HP. I, I believe I had three. Thank you. Three. I think we both had three. I think we were HP twinsies. I can't consider that another one of those learning curves. I think I mentioned to you guys later on. It's like I wonder how much HP you can get away with entering, you know, a combat situation. Um, for those of you who might also be new to Pathfinder, three is like not good. Don't, not that number, <laughs> even level one. Yeah, you're generally gonna want a number higher than three. I think at least four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're in that four neighborhood, you you should be feeling better. Five, maybe you you'll live forever. <laughs> Hello there, I'm Michael. You may know me as the owner of Fantasy Michael's chain of craft stores dot in the Numerian countryside, but I want you to know me for something more, for being your friend. That's why as of today, I'm extending the Fantasy Michael's friends and family discount to every single person on Galarian, except Joanne. Everyone but Joanne. So there's never been a better time to come on down to Fantasy Michael's and get yourself some sparkles, maybe a pack of unicorn stickers to show that special someone you care. Just don't give any to Joanne. If I see Joanne with a unicorn sticker, I'm gonna know it's you. I'm gonna hunt you down. Thanks, y'all. So you we left at Fantasy because we had almost died. We we fixed Asher. Asher killed a rock, uh, and we decided we should get out of the cave because everyone was very close to dying so i think that was mostly that was um we went back to brixby's friend and their gross hotel room and we leveled up that was a level up episode it was a level up episode, it was a level up episode. yeah talk to me about leveling up everyone yeah let's not gloss uh let's not gloss over the legendary and first animated scene i'm sure we'll get from fans of the dragging the robot through town <laughs> pure magic jero's <laughs> dice roll then saying it's it's me <laughs> <laughs> vargas's brilliant improv of i'm under the blade 
<laughs> that I am dragging. Yeah. Every time I think of that scene, I think of the Stonecutters episode of Simpsons, <laughs> where Marge asks Homer what he's doing when he goes outside. He's going, I'm going to go stalk Lenny and Carl. <laughs> uh, such a solid episode. We also had an appearance of the dead friend blanket. <laughs> the first BFB. Not to be yeah. forgotten. Yeah, and in the continuing saga of what the heck's under that hat, Asher, uh, we had a pretty cool level up scene uh, with Asher that I thought was incredibly interesting. Uh, we even had somebody on the Discord be like, what the heck was that? So, what was just it? saying that. That was pretty great. This is the time. Oh, what? Well, Clearly, I mean, he's yeah. sponsored by PlayStation, and that was Sackboy. <laughs> it was just a fellow, you know, a fellow with some buttons on him. He was nice. He just decided to pop into a hotel room in the middle of the night, As like you do. Sure. Hey, wake up. Here's some buttons. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you've never had that happen when you stayed at a hotel. Oh, you're staying at the wrong hotels. (laughs) I mean, walk righteously. Bye. Only at La Quinta. (laughs) La Quinta. Zach, I remember also being, uh, and this is maybe just me being like, oh, I've never seen a level up scene like this before. But Bricks also had kind of a moment. Yeah, that was a that was a definitely an interesting scene for me as a player to do um, because of multiclassing presents a really interesting um, challenge no matter what because uh, I don't know how other folks approach this but when I think about a character it's usually like they've been doing this their whole life and then this is their chance to shine. I mean, there's other opportunities. I've built other characters, but frequently when someone's got a couple levels in a class, you're like, you've been doing this thing. But like, I can't give a whole lot away about stuff that's going to be revealed later. But like, touching on a latency of arcane things as well as a, a very central deep and dark pillar to Brix's character. Um, that was probably, you know, the most exposition I've been able to give so far. Um, and, uh, yeah. It was, a, uh, it was definitely, it was my most Brixby moment, because I feel like he was really able to be himself. I'm gonna tease out the thread of lore or character intent behind multi-classing um, because I think it's fascinating like the idea that if you've been doing this you've been doing it for a while part of the reason I love playing Kira is because she is as new to this whole thing as I am and so we can both be like how does this work this is great and you know presumably she's a big kid she hits stuff really hard that that thing is new but we all know she's a blood rager and while I had no concept of what that meant when I was putting her together I have a better idea of that now and I'm real excited to unwrap that in the future uh, she doesn't know what's coming because she's just a small dumb baby yeah I'm I mean I'm so excited it's it's a cool thing about that character uh, sorry that class mechanic too with kind of a delayed magic that I think will play really interesting with Kira and being young and kind of coming into her own with her powers and, and her power flexing for everybody at home. Watching her 
grow even just a little bit in the two days of finding her dead best friend and all of dealing with whatever's going on with her parents and and it's it's been really interesting watching how you play this character that like can be so powerful but so vulnerable so young but also so like crucial to the survival of all of us and not just like mechanically like i think kira brings like a the very can-do attitude that I mean, Asher as as got kind of part of his flock also brings. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that Kira is this just amazing mismatch of things that makes me really excited about the group in general. In terms of deciding how those were built out, because I think this was also a question: How did like did you discuss what classes you were gonna play before we started? Um, kind of, yeah. yeah. That I. To that end, I will say, I can say about Kira that when I knew I would be doing that playtest game um, with Sam's group, I very much wanted to, like, like <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but it'd be really fun to play a teenager with a big sword. Um, and initially, like, in my very, very first draft, she was, like, <laughs> she was, like, a YouTuber. Um, it was, like, I, I, and I, like, sell lip gloss <laughs> in my off time. Um because it was a one-episode game, and I was like, this doesn't have to make any sense. Uh, and then I really had fun playing. She was a barbarian at the time, and I was like, wait, I love this. Uh, how can I make this work for a long-term thing? And it was so... It was very clear from that moment. I know I love a melee character. At that point, we still didn't have any any characters with like any casting. Like That was the initial, and I was like, okay, this one works and brings both of those things. And the other part of it, like you just said, Zach, was like, it, it felt very, very easy to make the transition is like look she doesn't know that much about the game i don't know that much about the game uh let's call it method acting and call it night to elaborate on that a bit at one point um when we were getting things started we had um i want to say a barbarian a gunslinger a no a barbarian a cavalier a brawler and a rogue so not a single spell mm-hmm. between the four of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, fun fact, uh, Vargas was originally a constructed pugilist brawler. And instead of having a magical arm, it was just a prosthetic. And that version of Vargas would probably have died in the frog fight. <laughs> yeah, Bricks was originally going to be an investigator before everything else the scavenger investigator like archetype which is super cool if people haven't looked into it you it's more flavor than anything else but you just like assemble instead of creating um extracts you assemble little machines that that kind of work as your magic um i thought that would really fit bricks but if anybody's played an investigator before um they are, I mean, unless you take a mechanical dip in a swashbuckler or something else, it's really hard to play that class effectively. And getting this far into Iron Gods, it would be very hard to play like a, a melee investigator, I think. Um, so I reskinned him as a Numerian rogue and then realized that I didn't just want to play a rogue for like 12 levels. So Stabracadabrat was a really fun uh, portmanteau. And uh, yeah. But, uh, what, what, what brought the mystery of Asher, Jeff? What, what caused this beautiful creation to rise out of your <laughs> mental space? 
Yeah, Asher, well, for those of you who are following along with Sam's initial classes, that leaves Asher out as the Cavalier in his first build. <laughs> uh, but he was the Spellscar Drifter Cavalier, uh, mostly because uh, at first I didn't want to, I didn't envision Asher as just a pure gunslinger, sort of lone wolf type. So I really liked the idea of uh, the Cavalier Order, sort of tying him to an organization uh, that's sort of giving him some sort of purpose, and but also being a gunslinger. And so yeah, so that was his initial build. Looking at it after, so we talked about in last episode of Machine Learning, how we all TPK'd at level 3 <laughs> in our test game. That That sort of made me think about what what can change mechanically but still keep Asher Asher and I ended up settling on the mysterious stranger gunslinger uh, in part because I really saw him as a charisma character not a wisdom character and that's obvious by <laughs> in some ways the fact that he just doesn't get stuff uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's really where, where it changed was saying not was, was not just wanting to keep him alive because I heart him, but also because I just, you know, I wanted to settle on something that could be more effective. <laughs> like Jiro <laughs> said with his, uh, would have died against a rock monster. Uh, I don't know whether Cavalier Asher would have would have outlived or lived as long. Uh, that archetype gives some neat cavalier options, but you also lose most of your gunslinger deeds. And so knowing that like focused aim has been responsible for overcoming DR <laughs> <laughs> uh, against the gremlins and might come in handy in future episodes, who can say? Uh, it's just, yeah, I feel like I chose well and it's it's really sort of story and mechanics speaking into each other and informing each other in a way that's been fun to drive. Uh, credit where credit is due. Thank you, Jobot, from the Discord. And also, uh, I don't want to call him like a close frenemy from Twitter. We have had a little bit of Twitter beef in the past, um, Jobot and myself. Um, it's uncomfortable, but it's just kind of like life, you know? Uh, but great job at question asking. That that was your question, and we can put the Twitter beef on hold <laughs> as I give you your due. Um. <laughs> uh, I also want to take a second to thank Jobot. He actually sent me a set of Serpent Skull dice. Um, he was one of our... Um, winners for the dice giveaway so he got a set of um, Iron Gods dice uh, from a GM of Iron Gods and he GMs Serpent Skull so he sent me a set of Serpent Skull dice and um, there's no telling which one of you these are going to kill but you know they'll, they'll get one of you you're real stand up guy <laughs> <laughs> thank you Joe I love 
said Joe Biden. Uh, I think that's a nice transition. It's not. I'm joking. That's it's like a it's a hard cut back into our recap, uh, wherein we come out, we level up, we head back into the caves. There's a lot of wandering. Um, to that point, I think we're pretty sure we come back into the caves. We see a path, and then we're like, meh. Uh, and instead, we climb some mountains. Now, there have been a lot of jokes in the Discord about quote-unquote failed climb checks. Uh, and again, maybe this is just me being new to these games, but I thought we did pretty well, and we were able to support each other in our uh, what I like to call character-building climbs um, and also rock-fun slides. Clearly, none of you have ever been to an underground desert and slidden down some rocks for fun, uh, and it shows. I've heard that when having a recap podcast, uh, the best way to endear yourself to your listeners and your fans uh, is to get really offended at them calling us out <laughs> on what we do. And so you're just, I just wanted to validate you as a host. You were, uh, you're, you're crushing it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I also, I don't know if you noticed, but I just mentioned that Twitter beef. So uh, not only am I calling people in the Discord, but just directly by name. Um, I, you know, I just want to make sure that all of my aggressions are out there on the table because of how I saw on a YouTube video, that's how you should handle online interactions. It wasn't a comment, but <laughs> still. I mean, it's sort of hearkening back to an earlier time of the internet where if you weren't in all caps and swearing at people, what were you even doing? Thank you, Sam, for understanding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, does uh, being in a 200-foot-deep uh, pitch-black underwater sinkhole count as having been an underground desert. Okay, isn't there that, like, uh, Snapple lid fact that says, like, a tundra is a desert, you know, with the snow? So I think it's just the amount it's of, true. like, rainfall yeah, or water. <laughs> Let's say rainfall. Yeah, isn't there's a, no rainfall like, Technically, underwater. it can't rain underwater, so... <laughs> isn't it a taiga? Yeah. Is a taiga, like, a T-A-I-G-A? Isn't that, like, a desert? I think a taiga a is, desert? A, is a forest. Uh, is a polar forest and then a tundra uh, yeah. yeah my bad I think my that bad. was also a dual land card in Magic the Gathering one of the very early sets yeah. Uh, yeah. it's also a type of giant in Pathfinder yeah, it's boreal forests of course <laughs> yeah shout out to my 12 year old for teaching me that like a few days ago great job about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe is the answer to that question Jero we might be in uh, some sort of <laughs> dry not underwater desert was there a were you gonna like segue into something else with that oh, just literally asking. oh no i'm just humble bragging about the fact that i've been to 200 foot deep i did not go on a mountain one time once just that one and i will be keeping all of this because i think i'm great uh back to the recap so wandered in the desert we killed some skeletons some of those skeletons we thought were like being a little bit creepy and watching us with their weird glowing green eyes and we said to ourselves probably this is some sort of necromantic thing right and selves said yeah okay uh so then we followed them further into a not that like a like a fairly subtle trap um we made a joke about that in the uh in the in the recap 
uh, as we often do, there's a lot of jokes and like references where people are like, oh yeah, you didn't catch that. And I, Izzy, never do. So I would have wandered right under that trap that was another rock monster. This one defeated soundly uh, because we needed vengeance for that first time. And you get bonus points because this one was actually advanced. Ooh. So, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here like like professional adventurers do and say, I know we've been assaulted by skeletons, but that's really a good time for me to fix a gun for an hour, for Brixby to learn some scrolls. I mean, if there was ever a safer place, I haven't been to one. Who would have thought we'd get attacked again? I didn't. Yeah, it was as if my learning of Disrupt Undead was disrupted by undead. The height of <laughs> irony. <laughs> Later, we stumbled onto 10,000 spoons. And all they needed was a knife. <laughs> I get that one. I told you to mute me. Unfortunately, <laughs> it can't rain in this underground desert where it would be like it did on, on your wedding day. And then there was a plane, and some guy was worried about not traveling in the plane. Uh, or maybe he was supposed to travel <laughs> and didn't. No, he was on the plane, and he was like, oh, this is this is ironic. See, I can do music jokes, too. And, and yeah, stop this calling is actually, me Shirley. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, all the time we have for our recap of Alanis Morissette's music. That is what happened in the hit song, Ironic. Tune in next week. We'll be covering, uh, yeah. yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> Moving down Jagged Little Pill. Uh, we'll hit um, one hand in my talk pocket. About her playing God and Dogma. <laughs> okay, I've, I've kicked it off. That's fine. You all have fun. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's too much to ask for, and I am not the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Don't you think? <laughs> Next week we'll be covering Natalie and Bruja. Oh man, I'm torn on that subject. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold and I'm ashamed. <laughs> you know, a funny thing about how I'm recording this podcast lying naked on the floor. No, that's not how that actually works. Yeah, I've been meaning to <laughs> right, talk to you leaving. about that. We've had some complaints. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little late. I mean, you got to be cold and ashamed how about it, but, you know. Uh, um, are so, we yeah. done? I'll wait. This is fine. <laughs> I don't start work until 10, so you other East Coasters with your ridiculous Fair. hours. Yep. You're mean. Oh, this all stays in. Yeah, that's this is uh, this is this is you all service. This is the whole show now. <laughs> Classic, which is cool. So we find the skeletons. We smush the skeletons. We make our wonderful music puns. Uh, smoosh another rock, and then I think we just like that was that was when we were entering like the regular like the. Uh, the weird metallic-y part. So we were in a desert up until, right until we get through that door, which we almost missed, but then didn't. Uh, and burst right on through there and discover a whole bunch of stuff. Hallways, mainly. Primarily hallways. Uh, but also some buttons, some key cards. Uh, and I think the most exciting part, um, the key cards. I was going to make a joke there about how it wasn't the 
power terminal, but it is. It's the power terminal uh, that, hey, bricks, way to not immediately destroy it. We that was good. That was a that was a monumental self control. Yeah, I didn't think that he or I had the personal restraint to not push the button because uh, he really wanted to push that button man but yeah instead we talked about it and produced a lot of quality content for our listeners discussing the possibilities of what would happen before touching the button was that really the most exciting uh of our first 10 because if i'm totally wrong then cut this out but wasn't our 10th episode perhaps the most of all the exciting well that's english <laughs> the 10th episode is the episode where you found the, the button and there was much consternation over the pressing of said button. So we're cutting this out because I was thinking of episode 11. So <laughs> zoom. Oh, yeah. 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 Cause I'm just like, yeah, totally. The computer, that was way better than the boss, semi boss fight that we had. <laughs> but yeah, we're just going to edit, edit me out. Although we might've met him. At the end of episode 10. Yeah, because TPK was That's true. the one where we fought him. All right, keeping it back in. Uh, I'll, I'll make oh, it there. Uh, that's right. Okay. Second most exciting time. We found a button. First most exciting time. We entered a small rented office space. Um, we noticed there were chairs flavored like lemon. I remember responding in the recording and then listening to the recording in the same way. And that was... Ew. So, uh, something sour. Oh, spoilers on the taste test. That's episode 11. Uh, fair. Uh, I apologize, fans. <laughs> that is forbidden territory. Yeah, so we entered in in this WeWork community space. And it turns out it was we were double booked. And the other guy got real upset about it. And we said, chill, we can all use the single computer. And he said, no, I'm going to murder you. Or whatever. I don't. I don't know. Because episode eleven. <laughs> yeah, we're living here in episode ten world. For all we know, uh, we came in and sat down and had patty cake with the dude. He could do it with two of us at once. With yeah, four I'm arms. pretty sure he offered you. Bagels. He did not offer us bagels. We did discuss sushi. I know that because I cut that part out of the episode. Which in a pandemic time, I don't know. I don't know. If we all like, if there's there's like a like a communal sushi pile seems uh, but if we have individual sushi plates yeah it's probably fine fair yeah i was thinking sushi boats way off way off well to this. be fair he's been under a mountain oh, yeah, he's, he's the most he is thoroughly socially distanced if he takes our sushi though because we've been <laughs> gallivanting around town oh yeah you you're ruining it for him no wonder he's fair. angry all right um so quick <laughs> semi-serious question that relates to this i'm interested in hearing players responses to how did your character like i'm pretty sure by this episode bricks is just like lost his mind being like but i know where we are i have some idea of what where we are right how did everyone's characters feel moving from what we thought was just like a desert question mark into the hallways, the metal rooms, the terminals, our first real engagement with technology. 
I can say, um, <laughs> because there's been, for Kira, such a focus on, look, we just want to relight the torch. I'm not sure. And I think part of this is, like we said, she's young. She's relatively sheltered. She's lived her whole life in this town. And as far as she knows, the torch is just what makes everything work. And if it's out, we got to fix it. Uh, there was no thought given to why it's like that, because there's no thought given to why it wouldn't be like that. Like, it's just normal that you have a giant purple flame shooting into the sky. Um, so in her mind, you know, she recognizes this is, un- this is unnatural because obviously the torch is out, but no part of this is, she's like, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, sometimes you go underground, you, you find a, s- uh, whatever, uh, who, who can even say what this is? It's just a series of corridors and fun. So eventually we'll find a big old forge and we'll turn it back on. It's going to be fine. Um, I am interested to see, as we've discussed, <laughs> what happens if when we leave Torch and she's like, oh, this place doesn't have a giant purple flame. That is so weird. What do they do here? Short answer. Very little surprise now. This is just how the world works. We will see how it goes from here. Asher is uh, definitely excited. There's been a few moments where he's shared with Brixby his excitement the two of them both seem to be most interested and excited in exploring these technologies. So for Asher, who was mostly just wanting to help out the town and uh, fund his expensive ammunition along the way, he, he didn't know what to expect with relighting the torch any more than Kira did. And they find that there's this wondrous structure that nobody knew i mean wall of glaucite is what we knew going in and that by itself was like oh this is gonna be awesome and then we see a desert and we're like what oh this is asher's loving it he's a desert boy b-o-i and he's loving it (laughs) uh then we find there's more and it's all glaucite and it's there's a power button and it's in this alien language. He's fascinated and definitely uh, interested in exploring every possible door. He, it Asher episodes through 10. If we relight the torch in episode 11, who's to say we don't, Uh, he would still happily, continue to explore this structure until he was confident that he had found every possible thing he could find. Uh, To break it up a bit, because I know who's excited and who isn't. Hey, Jero, what's, uh, what's Vargas thinking? Ha, I, uh, planned ahead and assumed I would get called on, uh, no, uh, Vargas, uh, fun fact, Vargas's player only kind of figured out where we were, like, about a week before Vargas did, when all of us together were kind of talking after one of the episodes, uh, which, obviously, by episode 10, we have not quite understood exactly what we're in, but I, as a player, assumed that this was, like, some kind of bunker that was built after, uh, Starfall for... Way longer than I probably should have. (laughs) Uh, But in terms of the character, uh, 
Vargas basically comes from a long line of people who are taught not to interact with technology. And so basically the entire time he's down there, he's basically having an internal panic attack as generations and generations of uh, teaching are going out the window <laughs> with every step further into this place. And uh, he is just thoroughly not enjoying himself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like Brixby, you know, Brixby's definitely made his feelings known throughout this over and over again. Um, but he uh, feels incredibly positive, uh, obviously about the place that they're in, um, even with all of its tendon dangers and everything else. Um, this is what Brix was doing before he met the group. Um, I think that Brix sees, uh, and it maybe hinted on this a bit, like the, distribution of sky metal and um and things buried below the ground the treasures of technology um the reign of stars as this kind of great equalizer in numeria where there is a lot of uh intense disparity in power that there is this ability to just like claim jump a whole ton of sky metal or, or just stumble into something that has astronomical power not even understood by the powers that be inside the country that we're in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Brix is um, incredibly excited and a little nervous because uh, touching a bit on Numerian lore, um, you don't get to spend uh, all, I, I guess, you don't get to discover a technological wreck and keep it to yourself. Um, there's a lot of interested parties. Um, there's a lot of, uh, <clears throat> yeah, anyway. So it, it's a really exciting element to it as well. I think he's a little apprehensive, but that's in the back of his mind and he's uh, kind of pressing that down because you know, how often do you get to discover your first ruin? It's, uh, I mean, I guess some people have gone in these rooms before us, so maybe cut that last part out. Keeping it. Sorry. Edit. <laughs> Gentle folk, I appreciate you gathering here today. Is everybody eating? Good. Sober? Good. The following proposal is both highly lucrative and highly dangerous. That isn't your cup of tea. I bid goodbye. No hard feelings. Take some food for the road. None of you are on the line for this yet. For the bold among us that know to harvest reward, one must so risk, or I will continue. The target, Silver Disc Hole, the most profitable and, well, only casino and torch, glinting like a shiny coin, just waiting to be snapped up. We're gonna rub it. What's that? How do I know my info is good? Let's just say I've got a man on the inside, but we'll get to that later. Bad news first. The place is owned by Garmin Ulrith. Yeah, that Garmin Ulrith. That means the works. The place is crawling with rope-fist goons working the floor, classic concentric patrol patterns along with three roving, constant, arcane eye spells. In addition to the permanent guards stationed outside of Garmin's office. But once we're inside there, it's a cakewalk. Only a gauntlet of some of the most high-tech 
and all mechanical traps you can conceive of. Savvy, surviving those, the money is kept in a hidden safe room, cleverly installed beneath Garmin's desk, to which one can only gain access by uttering the special passphrase spoken in his voice, I might add. What's that? No. Having the skulks tunnel into the room is out. Why? Triple reinforced walls and a tremor sense sensor that triggers a trap summoning three or so odd earth elementals. Don't worry though, the skulks will play their part. Anyway, safe room opened and finally we see the prize, the house's weekly take, a waiting deposit. Contained within a hardened adamantine box, sealed with an arcane lock, that may or may not be stored alongside three decoys, all of them quite vicious mimics. So, how are we going to do this? Oh, we're going to walk it out the front door. I happen to know that some of the slot machines are about to break. Something related to some gremlins that may have come up from under the hill, via a tunnel that may or may not have been constructed by our friends the Skulks. Anyhow, we happen to have the only Absalom certified slot machine repairman of all torch here, Garrett. He'll be called in tomorrow, right at peak business, this Moonday evening, to handle a substantial outage on the slots. He's known for lugging impractical amounts of garbage everywhere he goes. We'll take advantage of that. And in this case, his comically large sack will contain Kira, Asher, Vargas, and myself, subject to a series of reduced person and invisibility spells until we're real tiny-like. Then we sneak out, conceal ourselves until we return to normal size, and then use a wand of alter self to make Asher look like Garmin and the rest of us into unseemly rope-fist flunkies. Oh, and I'll take a second here and thank the fathers at the churches of Phrasma and Bry for their contributions of this magic. It turns out they're quite generous when the topic of a certain underground corpse robot fighting ring is brought up. Once disguised, we make our way to the door of the office. Asher will dismiss the guards, replace them with junk punch and big stuff. Past the door, I do the high-tech and mechanical thing. Exit. Trade places with Vargas. All the while, Asher sits at the desk, speaks the passphrase, which of course is password. Because we happen to know that Garmin can't figure out how to reset it from the default configuration. Once that's open, Vargas with his near indestructible appendage will reach in, grab the loot. Though, not before tossing in a few of these babies first. Yep, funny thing, mimics love goo tubes, make some docile as puppies, have them eaten out of your paw. So with that handle, he grabs the lockbox, the only one that isn't animated and snacking on delicious goo, and we carry it right out the front door, as Garmin does every Moonday evening. But we're gonna beat him to it and come an hour early. That leaves only one major hitch, the mysterious elven woman, McSherio. Garmin second-in-command and confidant, stationed at the door, surely she won't let our false Garmin carrying a deposit, a suspicious hour early, pass by without detection. Oh, ho, ho, but wait. Well, I mentioned we had an inside man, didn't we? Well, we may not know much about her. We do know she's rather dark and creepy. 
and the type that would be elated to receive a scorpion brooch from an unknown admirer and wear it with pride. It just so happens that this brooch is our man Kingsley, lying in wait until the perfect moment before springing up into action, administering a powerful intoxicant applied to his stinger to temporarily impair her. Our brave arthropod hops onto his dear mother's shoulder and we're out the door. We'll be halfway to Sargava before Garmin comes through the deposit and realizes what hit him. Easy as that. We all clear? Good. Or at least, that's how it would have gone. Kingsley didn't demand 85% of the cut. So, that gets us through episode 10 and our pre-TPK. Who knows what those letters stand for? Not I, because that's episode 11. So let's wind down with everyone's favorite NPC. I'll go first because I love me. Um, I don't know if Kingsley counts as an NPC. Probably not because he has a character sheet. So, um... No, sadly, I am still going to say Kingsley because he's got a little bow on his tail. And as I've told you all sometimes, I really, really, really want to get a scorpion just so I can have it. But I also know that would be horrifying IRL. Mostly in the sense that I would want it to roam my apartment. um, And I don't think they're supposed to do that. My favorite NPC. I've got to say I've had a ball with San Viltret. Um, I've really enjoyed how uh, you've all kind of developed a relationship with him and he's just such a he's a he's a character you know he's got that smelly hotel room and he's got a he's got that buick and he's he's a ball so uh jeff it will come as no surprise as i've made my my adoration known but garrett is uh far and away uh i say far and away there are i mean sam has crafted some marvelous npcs but from the moment his first words escaped his mouth to his just pouring out a pile of junk and kicking it around with his feet and being like yep this is it and i mean i haven't even touched upon his conspiracy theories i am I'm Team Garrett all the way. Uh, I was voting. F- no, I love this podcast, Machine Learning, but I was hoping for just a Garrett spinoff because Garrett is fabulous. So that's that's where I'm landing. Uh, what about Zach? Um, whew, it's hard to say, but I think um, – if I'm not going to choose any of the ones that anybody has said so far, because obviously Bricks has a lot of affinity for Sandville, and I think Sandville is just hilarious. Um, I would, I would honestly say probably like I like Mylan Radley. Um, I think we've we have a really good uh, role playing session uh, with Is and Mylan relating to um, Parta that I got really endeared to that character. Um, plus, I mean, normal corpse things. It's just, it's probably stands <laughs> as my favorite joke, uh, of an under- underground battle bot corpse robot battle situation between the temple of Bry and, uh, Phoresmus temple. So yeah, deep lore. Um, all right. What about you, Jero? 
as much as I want to say Garrett because I love his voice, it's going to have to be Sanville just because I've enjoyed our interactions more with him. Garrett has had a lot of really fun stuff, but it's been just kind of Garrett doing his own thing. I've loved our interactions with Sanville. Those have been very good. And I love our little running jokes like his uh, Buick LeSabre that he has and uh, just the odd smell that apparently even he doesn't know what it is and just all the kind of stuff like that. Like, I like the lore we're building around this guy that he is just a very unpleasant person, but not on purpose. Ah, we love a Zanvel. Uh, which also, I think, gets us comfortably through the recap and the questions. Thanks for joining. This was fun. Come back in a week or possibly a month. Who can say? Time is uh, fake. We love you. <laughs> you suck. Aw. Oh, and then also good night. <laughs> night, guys. Good night. Good night. <laughs> you got there. <laughs> Nailed it. And it's like only 11.03. Good job, team. Machine learning. Kill command receipt. Uh, Zach, did you want to get in a bit? Oh, Zach no. looks panicked. Man, you just put me on the spot. I was I was laughing because Skype put your face over uh, Sam's face temporarily, and I'm trying to upload a screenshot of that right now, so it's not showing it. Oh no, God! I hope. All right, I hope we'll it's on we'll there. edit in Zach's bit it. later. Oh God. Okay. Well, anyway, please don't ed- edit it. This that bit was super funny. Um, solid no, bit. Been that. working on it for a little while. I'm glad that I waited this long in the podcast to pull it out. And boy, whatever we edit in there is going to be hilarious. But please, just cut this whole bit out. Man. And we'll do it. I'm not cutting anything. It's going to be a two-hour episode. <laughs>